Welcome to the Rookie Realtor Reality Podcast with your hosts, Amir Hunter and Bailey Weaver Packard. With so many people thinking that realtors just look at beautiful homes and post on Instagram, this podcast brings you back to reality. This podcast explores the good, the bad, and the in between. We're both with EXP Realty, so our experience may be different than yours, but over time we'll have other agents, past clients, and others in the real estate industry, such as inspectors, builders, lenders, and more. So today we have a guest today, Lauren Hardy, who is a real estate investor uh, with a unique method of investing in multiple states. Uh, Lauren is also a co-host of the number one wholesaling podcast, Wholesaling Incorporated, and has over 350 students to go through their coaching her coaching program, uh, Virtual investing mastery how are you doing today lauren hi i'm good how are you <laughs> doing well uh so uh before we jump in uh every week we kind of do uh wins and losses and you don't have to jump in on this uh portion at all if, on the <laughs> <spot>. <laughs> unless you want to but we always talk about wins and losses because i think it's important that people understand that hey you're gonna have some ups and downs in real estate uh and so uh bailey you want to start it off with we'll start off with loss yeah. so we can finish with wins i feel like my most recent loss is that i had an inspection go way over and that we were late starting this podcast <laughs> but that's real estate life for you yeah yeah you got to figure it out yes. so i think for me i guess i'm thinking it's going to be a loss and i'm supposed to close a house on monday but um i just don't see things kind of lining up to happen oh, gosh. and so we're trying to communicate to try to do a buyer possession before closing so hopefully oh, like hopefully we can kind of figure it out find a solution there yeah good any any wins yeah Yes, my win. I got a, a first-time home buyer under contract on the first house that they offered on. We did do a little bit of negotiating back and forth, but we got them under contract, and they were ones that said, you know, we don't need to be in a house for another year. And I'm like, oh, excellent. Then they send me a house, and they're like, this is the one we got to have it, and we got them under contract. Yeah, well, that's good. You yeah. didn't have to sit there and nurture the relationship for a long time. No, we were already friends, so that worked <laughs> out. They already knew me. What about you? Uh, so I guess the win would be uh, we got an appraisal back, um, and uh, we bid 75000 over on the home, and the house appraised for 20000 more than wow. we were in our contract for. So I'll take that as a win all day over. long. Heck yeah. That's great. What about you, Lauren? Do you want to jump in with wins and losses? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I'll jump in. Uh, recent loss I'm still real bitter about <laughs> happened about two weeks ago. <laughs> we had a deal in escrow. And I was going to net $30,000 on this deal. Wow. And because of the interest rate shifts, Oh. Our buyer's underwriting criteria has changed. Oh no! And they are—they're an investor. They're a hedge fund, so it's a little different world. Sure. Yeah. But let's to keep it easy. Yeah. They—they've they, changed their uh, buy box, and their the deal does not pencil for them anymore. And they walked away. Yeah. And so I lost. I lost my. You know, it was a. It was going to be a thirty thousand dollar deal. So I had to say goodbye to that one. Oh, that's what deal was that state in, Lauren? Uh Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. Do they not have like due diligence out there? No, no. we do. But oh, do? in our in our world, which is a lot different than yours, I sell to repeat the same people. You know, Got I it. sell to investors who are buying you know mm -hmm. you know 20 houses a month yeah so i you know i have a relationship with this buyer of course i'm not going to go after them in any way you right know, it, it was one of those all right that sucks i'm gonna have to lick my wounds <laughs> yeah. and, um, <laughs> Next, yeah but you know such a such an interesting you know sign of the times 
um, you know, because it, it would it would have gone through if that deal closed uh, right. or if, you know, the deal didn't take so long in escrow, they would have closed on it. But interest rates going up kind of changed everything for them. Wow. So that's my loss. Uh-huh. Took me a minute to get through that one. And then, <laughs> um, when this week we got another good one under contract, um, we're still inspecting it. But it was a it's a good cool. good little deal. So. What state is that one in? Pennsylvania. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining in on that. Yeah. Put you on the spot there. <laughs> yeah, I had to think of something real quick. I was like, think of something. What's the last thing that <laughs> you did great that you almost cried over? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, Lauren, I know we've kind of done a little bit of research on you, but uh, Tell us like about yourself, like where are you now and uh, how long you've been in the business and what you kind of specialize in? Yeah. So I live in Orange County, California. Wow. And I invest out of state and I've been a real estate investor for 10 years. I started when I was 25 years old and I'm 35 years old. Awesome. <laughs> so. Been been around for a bit. I've been around for a full market cycle. It seems like right. um, I I feel like uh, my first flip I ever bought was the last day of the recession. Wow! <laughs> and and uh, I've rode this cycle all the way, and here we are. And it, it feels very much like we're at the top. Um, I do everything. I've, I've kind of had a bunch of. Uh, I've got a lot of different experience in different niches of real estate investing. Um, I wholesale houses. I fix and flip. I've built houses and I've kept some rentals. Wow. So you've got your feet in, in everything. A little bit of everything. <laughs> and I've been in like six different markets. So wow. yeah, I've been, it's been fun. Good. We're excited to dive in deeper and explain what all this is yeah. to everybody. So I guess let's just jump in. Yeah. Uh, so tell us like what virtual investing like kind of encompasses. I know we read a little bit about it from you, but you know, for our guests that don't know anything about like wholesaling and virtual investing, you know, what 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 does that entail? Yeah. So assuming that your listeners are realtors, okay, mm-hmm. I work a world that is pretty unfamiliar to real realtors. I work the off market world. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I personally have only bought, I think one house that was listed on the MLS of the hundreds of houses that I have purchased and sold. And that was the one I actually lived in. Okay. That's fascinating. um, So as far as my investment life, you know, it, not all real estate transactions happen on the MLS with realtors. There's a lot of off market activity Mm -hmm. that goes on. Um, So um, one of the business models that I'm involved in, and this goes under the real estate investment umbrella, we call this wholesaling. And the term wholesaling is a jargon term, okay? It, mm-hmm. it isn't a legal term. If you say this to an, a real estate attorney, they might look at you with a blank stare, have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but if you say the term contract assignments, mm-hmm. they will light up. So what I do is I, I will market to sellers directly. Now let's break, I'm gonna go so micro to explain the process. Let's, marketing could be a TV sign, um, it could be a billboard ad, it can be a mailer to their house. Okay. It could be a cold call. And I work those seller leads 
and I put them under contract at a price that is usually at a very good discount, something that would be appealing to a fix and flip investor, you know, those Mm -hmm. HGTV shows you see, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So when I get that property under contract, it is my choice to either buy it myself and in which case I might fix it up myself and flip it like HGTV, you know, Mm -hmm. or I might keep it as a rental property or the other option is I could list or I could try selling this contract to another investor that is going to do one of those things. Wow. Okay. So wholesaling is when I sell my contract, which we call that equitable interest. I sell my equitable interest in a purchase contract to an end buyer who would be another investor. Mm -hmm. Now, those types of investors, they're all different types of people. Some of them are like mom and pop landlords. Mm -hmm. Some of them are institutional hedge fund type buyers, like private equity. These guys are you know, kind of up there, look up like Blackstone Group, you know, those right. types of entities, those outfits, I will sell to them. Okay. So I do, you know, I, I do all of those things, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a buyer myself, but I also have that option to sell my equitable interest and make a quick, quick fee on, you know, that transaction as well. Right. So I've been involved in that business for the last 10 years um, and I do it in, um, currently I'm in two different states total, though I've been in about six different markets wow. total. Um, the bit now, the reason I go out of state is because California is really difficult to get a deal there. It's not a really good investment area. I believe um, that. The, the prices are just way too high. Where are you guys from? We're in the Raleigh Durham area of North Carolina. Oh, Okay. <laughs> You guys are getting. You guys are getting there. Oh, yeah. You guys are very fast. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you might guys need to are come in this an area way. where it's starting to become hard to invest as well. Yeah. Correct. Um, absolutely. So California has way been that way for a very, very <laughs> long time, and um, the price point it is just it's expensive to live here. People want to live here. There's such a demand just to live in California for this real estate mm-hmm. that investors are, you know, we can't find good deals. It's, it's a little difficult. So it's just easier to pick out of state markets right. when you live in California. That makes sense. And when you said wholesale earlier, Amir and I both have worked with investors who buy from the wholesalers. So mm-hmm. that lingo definitely resonated with us. Yeah. And then Perfect. they flipped it and we listed them. And I've, I've worked with yeah. some investors that have gotten to situations where it was like an assignment of contract. Um, but in that situation, it wasn't a great for my client, just didn't feel, uh, I guess, secure (laughs) for my clients in that, in that situation. Um, but, uh, it's always good to kind of learn and hopefully we'll learn a a ton more in this podcast because I do work with a ton of investors, especially cash investors that, um, this may be something that they may, um, eventually want to jump into too, as well. Yeah, yeah and, and that's exactly, you nailed it. Assignment of contract is wholesaling. So mm-hmm. it sounds like your investors just never worked with the wholesaler before. So it, they didn't understand it, you know, and mm-hmm. that it would really benefit you as a, you know, realtor who's kind of helping your client because then, then you're going to get the listing, right? So mm-hmm. you put them at ease that no, 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 this is a very common practice. This is happening 
you know, all over the country, very common, very, you know, it's legal, just Google contract assignments. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. Don't mm-hmm. stress, you know, right. yeah. and, and guide them through the transaction. Definitely. So you said you started this when you were 25. How did you get into, I guess, this market and flipping homes? Yeah. So when I was 25, I was working a corporate job. I was working in real estate, but it was more on the commercial side. And it was just a salary corporate job. And it really wasn't going anywhere. I I felt real dead end. Um, Granted, it was, you know, in the throes of uh, the recession. So it wasn't the best timing to be in real estate. I was... (laughs) lucky to have a salary job to be quite honest right um but it it, you know i just knew what it wasn't really going anywhere for me i didn't really know how to work the corporate politics i was kind of stuck at a salary that i just didn't see going up very much Mm -hmm. and most importantly i just had my daughter and i was learning that being a mom and working a corporate job is really really hard oh i believe so I, i was willing to do anything just to have flexibility. I wanted to be able to work from home so I could see my kid more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny when you look back, it's just so funny how we can become forgetful and ungrateful of where we came from. Because Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, my goal was just to work from home. I did not care about how much money I made. I just needed to be able to pay my bills. And what that looked like, I needed to be able to replace my income. Mm -hmm. minus the daycare costs because I wasn't going to put my kids in daycare, right? So at this time when I did the math, I'll never forget the math, right? (laughs) I was making around $55,000 a year. Okay. And I said, okay, so if I, and I just found out I'm pregnant with my second kid. So I said, two kids, daycare expenses. What's that going to look like? I really only needed to bring in about $36,000 a year for it to be a wash, to be the same thing. as me working from home. So I needed a work from home gig that I could make at least 36 grand and Mm -hmm. I could stay at home with my kids and keep, you know, keep the expenses paid on my end. I was married at the time. So that was my end. Got it. So um, I got, that was my start. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did, I worked my corporate job while I was pregnant with my second kid. I worked a full, I did a full year of doing both. I started you know, flipping houses, getting into that flipping industry. Um, you know, I had two successful flips under my belt and I had saved up enough money to be able to afford to quit my full-time job and have some in the bank in case things didn't work out my second year. Right. So I think that's a good takeaway that, you know, for somebody who wants to get into flipping houses that has another full-time job to start it while you're with that full-time job and not walk away until you know what you're getting into. For sure, because this is a, first of all, this business night might not be for you. Right. Yep. That is one of the biggest things I see. I've got, a, I've, I personally have a coaching program mm-hmm. and I've coached over 350 people and I know this isn't for everyone. Right. And they get into it thinking it's HGTV and it's yes. Tarek and Christina <laughs> yes. and, you know, it's picking out backsplashes mm-hmm. and all that. And it's like, no, no, no. It is sales and marketing. Right. It is 90 five percent sales and marketing and five percent all the fun stuff so you know when you're getting into a lot of people don't realize getting in same with being a realtor it's it's not what you think it really is sales and marketing because you need to get those listings exactly so so go back to i guess your first flip and tell us like what that first flip experience was like 
Yeah. Okay. So I made the deal with my brother that we would do it together because he had had a couple years flipping experience at this point. So I got the idea for my brother to start flipping houses. And um, I got the property under contract by mailing. I did direct mail. I mailed like, you know, sellers, just a basic letter, you know, um, you know, hi, I'm buying houses, blah, blah, blah. Right. A seller eventually approached me. I actually had to make a lot of offers to sellers. Yeah. Um, a lot of sellers, you know, called back on those mailers. And wow. eventually after four months, I got a seller to finally say yes to one of my offers. Four, so it took months. Me four months. Wow. Yeah. It took me four months to get a seller to agree, <laughs> <laughs> agree to my my price, Pro- you know, and in hindsight, I look back and I was offering too low. Um, yeah. I could have came up on my offer prices. I didn't know what mm-hmm. I was doing. I sounded very unconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, I was scared. You could hear a tremor in my voice every time I talked to yeah. a seller. So um, finally got a deal, finally got a nice seller to believe in me. Mm-hmm. And um, we, it was real straightforward. I bought it. I joke it was like the last day of the recession because when I bought it, it went up in value 10%. It was at that time at the bottom of the market back in 2012 where just real estate values started shooting up real quick. So in our whole time, values were already up 10% in Orange County. And so we ended up doing really well. We spent like maybe 35000 in the construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Construction prices have changed a lot since then. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Inflation is um, real right now. <laughs> yeah, it was, that's a, that would have been a lot more. It'd probably be, I don't know, 70000 now. Who knows? <laughs> um, but we spent about 35000 on the deal. And we ended up netting about 65000 when we were done flipping it. And my brother and I split that. Excellent. So did you sell it? You sold it? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. That's exciting. I love going back to the first time because I'm sure now you've got it down to a science and it's fun to think back to those days when you were figuring it out. So how do you determine... Yeah. Oh, good. Go ahead. So how do you determine uh, which market is right, uh, I guess, for somebody to invest in? You know, that's a great question. So not all markets are equal. And there are definitely some markets that you probably have no business trying to be an investor in. Um, The big question to ask is, can you, first of all, what kind of investor do you want to be? Are are you going to be a flipper? Do you want to be a developer? You know, or do you want to buy rentals? A lot of people will start with sort of, I want to eventually one day have rentals. Most people kind of have that long-term goal that they want to retire with, you know, a rental portfolio and they want that financial freedom. They Mm want to build wealth. So if you're looking for a rental, you know, friendly area, you know, you got to ask, can I buy the, you know, could the average property here, can I buy it? Could I get a loan on it? And if I rented it out, would I cash flow? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of areas that you can't do that anymore. I don't know about Raleigh Durham. <laughs> I'm curious, right? You can do it here. You can, but yeah. it, it's it's a lot difficult. Um, it's pretty difficult. I mean, I would think. I mean, I think it, your your price margins are a lot s- slimmer than what they were. Yeah. I think yeah. if you would have bought maybe two years ago, um, right. you know, we've seen. Uh, I think I read an article today. It was thirty percent increase in rent um, yes. in the last two years in Raleigh Durham. Mm-hmm. So if you would have bought two years ago, <laughs> uh, you're yeah. Probably uh, in great position, but right now I think it's kind of hard at the s- certain sales price point because we've we've grown maybe like twenty four percent in sales price mm-hmm. in a year. Yeah, but we have yeah. so many people from California and whatnot 
purchasing mm-hmm. investment properties here. So I think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the the rent's only going to continue to increase with the demand. And it, mm-hmm. I think Facebook uh, has just agreed with Meta coming to to Durham. We have Apple uh, coming to RTP. So all the all the the big companies are coming to the Research Triangle Park. Yeah. This might be a, a new area for you, Lauren. <laughs> Raleigh might be your and new now, place. So Raleigh, in my opinion, would be more of your flipper developer market, yep. but not yes. so much a landlord market. Because now if you're buying, you know, the average home, mm-hmm. it's not renting for enough to cash flow after you pay your mortgage. Got it. So that's what happens when you're in areas where the prices are starting to appreciate at, like you said, 25% in one year. You're now getting to a zone where like the rent isn't quite appreciating as fast as the home value. More people are buying in that area and investing and moving, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, from California or whatever. So it's driving up the purchase price, especially with interest rates increasing. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, I would say Raleigh was at one time where, you know, you could definitely um, buy rentals there, but Mm -hmm. it seems like it's kind of phasing out. And it's now more of your flipper developer market where your best, you know, best, um, like say, uh, use for the property would be to fix it up and then boom, resell it for a monster profit. Um, but there's still plenty of other areas, you know, that are, you know, under $200,000 that rent really well. Um, you know, Oklahoma city, many places in Texas, like Mm -hmm. I could think of some Indianapolis, like there's so many markets that, um, you can really make, Makes sense. Another kind of quick and dirty term is like the rent to price ratio. Okay. So like is the rent that you can charge on a house in Raleigh, like think of like an average house in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. Is it, is the rent 1% of the purchase price? Oh, okay. That's yeah. So if it's, so if say the average house is $500,000, can you rent it for 5,000? Yeah, you can't. No. But are there, so yeah. So that 1% ratio mm-hmm. is often that indicator of are you able to leverage and, and buy, get a loan and pay the mortgage. Yeah. And if it's So you want like above 1%. You want 1% or above. Got it. And so like California, mm-hmm. I'll give you like an example. Um, I was renting. Okay, I'll give you a perfect example. The house I'm living in now. I, I was going to use the one mm-hmm. before and now I'm <laughs> renting right now because I sold my house. Okay. So um, the house I'm living in right now would probably go for about 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm renting it for $4,000. So like very much not the 1%. Well, I don't know what right. rule that would be. The 0.2%. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Rule. I'm bad at math. I'm not doing it in my head. Um, so that kind of gives you an indicator of like, this is not a landlord market. So if I'm going to build that rental portfolio, mm-hmm. If that's your dream, you're not going to do it in these kind of markets. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to find, you got to go to a lower price point market where Mm -hmm. you can get that 1% or better. Yeah. And in some areas, there's better. 2% ratios still happen. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of our rural areas, maybe like a a county or two over from Raleigh, you can still, you can make the numbers work. Um, Actually had an investor and her numbers uh, were 
pretty pretty good i think probably over two percent on hers yeah. uh just because of the proximity it is in the way that it's growing um mm -hmm. so there's like wake county here right next to us johnson county that used to be like this very rural area and now like the the numbers are skyrocketing over there mm -hmm. but the county right next to it is wayne county with goldsboro and mm -hmm. their their numbers are, are pushing up like pretty close to where Johnson County is, but they're still so far behind Raleigh right now that you can still buy and invest down there. And eventually it is going to be just because we're running out of area and space. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll see that. So I'll see that with my buyers because like in the wholesale business, I pay attention to what my buyers do. Mm -hmm. You know, there, are there were times where like in Oklahoma City, they wouldn't go to these like certain cities. I can't off the top of my mind think of like one. There's like one I'm thinking of specifically that I remember like buyers would touch a deal out there. <laughs> and then funny. now all of a sudden they're like, fine. Okay. <laughs> we're like, back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. So you probably have rural areas mm -hmm. that are the suburbs of, you know, like the city, like, or more rural that now you're seeing investment activity happen. Yep. What recommendations do you have to somebody who wants to invest, but doesn't have a ton of money to do so? So I had no money. I was broke. I started the business with a credit card, but I got really good at raising money. So all the money that I invest, I never buy flips with my own money, really, if I can. I mean, if I mm -hmm. might do it just quick to close on it, but yeah. then I always put um, one of my investors funds in it. And so get good at raising money. Um, you don't have to have money. You just have to know people and partner, partner with someone who's an experienced flipper, mm -hmm. find the deal for them yeah. and they'll come with the money. So try to Smart. find like a mentor, an experienced flipper, you know, who's doing it um, and they can come with the funds. That's, that's what I did. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea. I think a lot of people are intimidated. They want to jump into investing, but they're like, I don't have the money to do mm -hmm. it. Like, how do I, how do I get into the business? Grab a partner. Do you know what? Yeah, that's the part that they miss on HGTV shows. Yeah, mm -hmm. they never talk about that. It's never. always they maybe they always act like it's the, those people's using their own money, and well, it's not. Well, They're right. not using. <laughs> none of them are using their own money. Everyone oh. is getting loans. Yeah, that's not the entertaining part, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. it. That's yeah. it. It's not the pretty part. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you juggle? I guess being a single mom and running your business. Oh, well, I don't. <laughs> Do you sleep? Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a constant, constant struggle. Um, it is a, I constantly audit my day and my schedule and how I'm spending my time. And I'm glued to my calendar. And I, you know, I'm looking at my calendar and I'm making sure, you know, I'm, I time block, you know, time for things that need to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a struggle. I, 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 it's almost a sport for me at this point, like <laughs> trying to figure out like, how am I going to get this all in? Right. You know? Um, you know, so I mean, I do find, I have found some things that work as far as my schedule goes today, but mm -hmm. it might change. It might not work for me, you know, in six months for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but I will share if you're interested, like what, like the daily schedule that works for me right now. 
Yes, I love schedules. So, yes. so Bailey, Bailey time blocks and she has like her, she writes down every single thing. Oh, yes. So, she, oh, yes. Anything, oh, I'm excited. Anything schedule related, that's all Bailey. <laughs> yeah, please. Share. I love all of that. Like, <laughs> what's too. your day look like? When do you, what do you eat? When do you eat? I yes. like love all that stuff. Me too. So, so a, a real game changing thing happened when I started waking up at like 5 15, 5 30. Yes. Um, when I started doing that, I really became more productive because at the, granted, I have to fall asleep earlier. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. But right. nothing productive happens at night anyway. I agree. Nothing. Yes. You're just watching TV. You're not, you're not doing anything productive anyway. Yeah. And your you client know? should be sleeping then too. Exactly. Exactly. So I am at my computer by six in the morning. I get up, I walk the dogs, my kids are still asleep and I'm at the computer. And from six to seven o'clock, I can get a lot of uninterrupted work done. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's a focus project where it's like, hey, I need to focus on something and knock something out. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's just, um, I call it like money-making activities or certain things I do that bring money in and I can do that for at least one hour. Okay, we do Um, the same. Get, then I get the kids up from six to about eight fifteen or seven from eight fifteen at school, getting mm-hmm. them school lunches, whatever, taking them to school, mm-hmm. and then I'm back at my office by about eight thirty okay. in the morning. Um, and then it, I continue with the focus hour. I recently, as of a week ago, because I started realizing, I was like, I cannot do the money making activities. Everyone needs to write down if you only could do three things to generate an income. Mm -hmm. You only could do three things. What are those three things? And you should be doing those three things for three hours a day. You would make a lot of money if you did those things. Yeah. Problem is we don't do that. In fact, if you probably timed yourself, you probably do your money-making activities 13 minutes a day. Wow. Because you get tied, you get drawn into things and the money-making activities, they're not fun things. They're not. They're, Mm -hmm. They're often the hardest part of your job. Right. So you avoid it by like getting in on meetings and, and, you know, getting tied Mm -hmm. into stuff or, you know, stuff that doesn't make money. Right. right? Admin work, you know, whatever. So, so I, I noticed I was really starting to not get any of the money making activities. So I recently just said, I do not want to be scheduled on anything until afternoon my time starting. I said this. Or this week, I finally put my foot down and blocked my calendar. So that's why we're talking right now. But going forward, we would not be. <laughs> Thank you for making an exception. <laughs> well, I know. Well, I had things booked. I was like, okay, but no, for going forward, like uh-huh. I need that six in the morning to noon mm-hmm. to yeah. focus on making our company money. And that's it. And and then your questions, the team meetings, the, you know, all that stuff that you get pulled into the fires, the putting out the fires can happen afternoon. Got it. That's so good. My goal, my thinking is that if it can wait till afternoon, the fire will be put out by then. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. You can control so much of your day in the beginning, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the afternoon is when it gets crazy. Let me ask you this question Do you ever get concerned about investing when you physically can't see the home? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, who's your boots on the ground? How are you doing that? I do have boots on the ground. Okay. Um, so the boots on ground situation kind of looks, you know, different at different times. Um, recently, I just made a full-time hire in Pennsylvania because we started getting so busy there that we cool. really needed it. And mm-hmm. I was having a really hard time managing um, our flips there. Mm-hmm. So I needed a full-time kind of like project manager, kind of construction manager guy. So mm-hmm. 
Um, we now have full-time help, but it was, I was using realtors. Um, I was using, I call them runners to take photos and video, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. It can get really tricky. So I guess you kind of answered our other question. <laughs> I was like, how are you able to invest uh, outside of your own state? But it sounds like you have people on the ground that are kind of helping um, in those aspects. So um, for, I guess, anybody that's listening and they're like, hey, I'm kind of on the fence about, you know, doing this investing or I really like what Lauren has to say today. Like, what what would you tell them? Well, if you want to uh, find me on social media and, you know, kind of see what I'm about, you can go to my Instagram page. It's This Mom Flips. And I have a YouTube channel where I post a ton of videos, cool. lots of how-to and uh -huh. interviews, um, interviews with other investors. Um, so find me at Lauren Hardy on YouTube. Um, I, I do, I do um, host a podcast called Wholesaling Inc., and uh, we do have coaching through Wholesaling Inc. Cool. So my coaching program is all about investing virtually out of your, you know, out of your state or out of your backyard. So um, if you are interested in the coaching, um, go to virtualinvestingmastery.com. You, you might see Bailey's name on there because she loves a good coach. Yeah, I do. I love, oh my <laughs> gosh, investing in yourself and your business is huge. Yeah, it's, it you is. Know, it's, it's the best thing to do. Oh my God. I think me and Bailey are very similar. And <laughs> I like, know. We have that same brain. Like we love schedules. Yes. And we like oh yes. Self-development. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I'm right there with you. I love a podcast. So I'm going to add yours into the mix. I love yes. a podcast. I know. <laughs> I, I'm I, coming I, to California. We're going to hang out. Do you bullet journal? Are you a bullet journaler? No, but now I think I might need to start. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look up bullet journaling. Okay. Like I feel like. I can get you in on, on all oh these gosh, rabbit yeah. holes. I'm a big note taker. Like I, I, I like to cross things off my list. So I'm yes. going to look that up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Um, and we really appreciate it. I think we've learned so much uh, oh, yeah. today about virtual investing and wholesaling and juggling uh, life and assignments business. of contracts and everything. Yeah. Um, and I think this is something that's definitely going to help some of our listeners and I think even help us, you know, yeah. in, in our business too, as well um, with what you've taught us today. So we really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you.